Thanks, Rob. Good morning again. Um, You might like to leave your Bibles open. It's a very short passage uh, today, just those four verses, uh, but a lot in them to unpack and to think about together. Uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with uh, J.K. Rowling. Uh, She uh, is the author of the Harry Potter books, and uh, she recently made headlines because she has now dropped off the Forbes uh, rich list. Um, The Forbes Rich List keeps a a record of the richest people in the world and tells you what their net worth is. And uh, she has now disappeared from that list and has even lost her status as a billionaire. She's become a lowly millionaire. And the reason that she's dropped off the list is that she's given so much of her money away. Uh, It's estimated she's given around $160 million away to charities. And this has become a bit of an internet sensation. Uh, You might have seen things like this popping up in your Facebook feed, if if you have a Facebook feed. Um, First person to become a billionaire by writing books, lost billionaire status because she donated so much money to charity. She's become this kind of hero of the people due to her generosity, how much she has given away. Which is great, that's a lot of money, uh, very generous. Mind you, I've done the maths and I figure that she must still have at least $840 million uh, left. Um, so she's not, you know, in, in dire straits or anything like that. But it's, it's interesting how this has sort of impacted and why it's become so news, newsworthy. Because I think uh, it's, it's rare for this sort of amounts of money uh, to be given away. Uh, so much so that her status has changed in some way. Uh, One article I read concluded, dropping, notice the language here, dropping from an exclusive billionaire to lowly millionaire, there's that word again, J.K. Rowling should be an inspiration to others who top the rich list year after year. Maybe it already has. Well, we're continuing today in this series on the generous life, and we're thinking about how generosity can pervade every aspect of who we are as followers of Jesus. Uh, So far in this series, we've looked at uh, generous service, how we give of our time, our energy, in service of Christ. Uh, We've looked at generous hospitality, how we can be uh, willing to open ourselves, open our lives to include other people and be generous in that way. Uh, Last week, we looked at generous relationships, how in situations of conflict, how do we be generous people going personally to other people, privately when we have an issue, being willing to offer forgiveness freely and generously when people have wronged again, uh, done wrong to us. And today we are focusing on generous giving, which is the topic I think most people think about when it comes to generosity. We think about money, we think about uh, what we have and how we give it away. But we've deliberately left this till last because we really want you to focus on the fact that generosity is much broader than just our wealth. But at the same time, money is important and Jesus speaks often about money. As followers of Jesus, he wants us to submit our whole selves to him and that includes what we do with the material things that we have. So what has Jesus got to teach us about generous giving? Well, we have this story in uh, Luke 21. That's a scene. Jesus is there with his disciples and uh, he's watching as people are passing the offertory plates around, or the offertory bags, as Sue was holding up uh, earlier. 
only they didn't have offertory plates and offertory bags in those days. Uh, what we've got here is a scene in the temple treasury, verse 1, and uh, what that was was these 13 sort of trumpet-shaped containers that people would put their money in. Now, I don't know whether it's exactly what it looked like. This is not actually a photograph taken at the time. Uh, they didn't have cameras. It's sort of a, a reproduction of what people thought it might look like. But we understand that there were these 13 trumpet-shaped sort of containers and people would put their money in as they came into the temple to contribute to the ministry that took place from the temple and to contribute to the maintenance of the building. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? So Jesus is sitting there with his disciples and he's watching what happens. And he sees some rich people, some well-off people, putting their gifts in, and presumably they're putting in good wads of cash. And then in verse 2, someone else comes in, and this someone turns out to be the hero of this story. It's interesting, in Luke's Gospel, there's four, what you might call, silent heroes. There are four people who never speak a word in Luke's Gospel, but by their actions speak very powerfully about what it means to be a follower of God. Uh, this person is one of them. There are three others in Luke's Gospel. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who they are, but there's a prize uh, if you can tell me who they might be. You can come back next week, read all of Luke's Gospel if you like, and try and work out who the other three silent heroes, silent examples are. But this silent hero is a widow, a woman whose husband has died. She's often portrayed as an older lady, but she wasn't necessarily. Um, all we know is that she no longer has a husband, which would have put her in a very vulnerable position in that society. There's no Centrelink. There is not really a possibility for a woman to um, support herself financially, get paid work very easily. So she's on her own. And in the Bible, there's this phrase that's often used to speak of the most vulnerable people in society, and it is widows and orphans. These are the people who have no one to provide for them. They're the poorest and most vulnerable members of society, and therefore, also in the Bible, the ones that God's people need to care for most and ensure are being looked after. So she is extremely poor as a widow, and Luke makes that even clearer for us because he adds a word before widow. He says she's a poor widow, and he uses a word in the original language which is a very strong word, meaning she is very poor or super poor. She's the lowest of the low in terms of her wealth. And this uh, poor widow puts two small copper coins into the treasury. Uh, two lepta, they were called, the smallest coins that were available at that time. Uh, equivalent, I guess, of our five cent piece. Although it's not really a, a good comparison because at least a five cent piece is five something, right? Um, and there's silver. Um, we did used to have one and two cent coins, I can remember that, uh, the one and two cent pieces, which were copper, so they looked like they weren't worth as much, and they weren't. Um, but these were the smallest coins available. They would have been equivalent to about one hundredth of an average day's wages, so it's not much at all. And this woman drops these two measly little coins into the treasury. Nothing compared to the sorts of money that other people are dropping in and it hardly seems generous at all when you look at the amount. 
But seeing all that's going on, Jesus turns to his disciples and he uses this as a teaching point for them and for us on what generosity really looks like. I don't know whether you've ever seen, uh, you know, when someone wins the prize for being the one millionth customer in a supermarket or something like that. They enter the store and there's flashing lights and there's loud, exciting music and a man in a suit or a woman in a cocktail dress comes running in with a big check and says, congratulations, you're the winner. Well, it's exactly like that without the lights and the music and the big check. Um, But Jesus is saying to his followers, here is the winner. Here is the winner in terms of generosity. Put a spotlight on this lady because she has put in more than all of the others. Jesus might even be saying here, not only has she put in more than any one individual, but she's put in more than all of the others put together. It's a bit unclear in the language, but it could be as strong as that. Now, how, how is that? How are two measly copper coins more than a whole stack of money that other people are putting in? Jesus explains it in verse 4. The other people gave their gifts out of their wealth. They gave out of their abundance or leftovers, is what he's saying. They've got more than they absolutely need, and so they can give extra from what they don't need. But Jesus says that she gives out of her poverty. Literally, she gives out of what she lacks. That's ironic, isn't it? That she gives from what she doesn't have. She doesn't have any extra. She doesn't even have enough, but she's so generous that she gives it away anyway. Now, here's the kicker for me as I read this. She could have kept one of the copper coins, couldn't she? Two coins, that's all she's got to live on. It's not even enough to live on, but she gives not one, which would have been generous enough, half of what she had, but she gives both of them to God. That's how generous she is and how much she wants to give it to God and rely on him. This woman is the hero of this story. She's the one who wins the prize for most generous. And as we've been thinking about generosity through this series, we've used the following definition, and it sums up exactly what she's done. To be generous is to show a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. And that's precisely what she does here. Now, I want us to be clear that I think this is a positive story rather than a negative story. Jesus at no point criticises the rich people for being ungenerous or stingy in the gifts that they give to the treasury. Do you notice that he never says that? We often sort of think this is a critique of the rich, but Jesus isn't doing that. What Jesus is saying is that No matter how much they've given, and it might have been generous, she's outdone them with her generosity. She's she's given even more than they have, even though the number of coins is less. I don't think the story here is intended to shame the rich, but to encourage those who have less money that generosity is not dependent on the actual amount given. Generosity is dependent on what we had to begin with, and what we give from that. Generosity is as much about what we keep for ourselves as it is about what we give away. You might have seen this image in the news over the last couple of weeks 
as well. That's our Prime Minister, uh, Malcolm Turnbull. And as he was walking down the street, flanked by media, as usual for the Prime Minister, he stopped to give some money to a homeless man who was begging on the street. And you can see uh, quite clearly there that he's putting a $5 note into this man's cup uh, as a gift to this man who's begging. But what people have drawn attention to, and you don't get away with anything when you're a public figure, is that in that photograph, if you look very closely, in the Prime Minister's left hand, stuck between his fingers there, is a wad of cash. Um, big denominational notes that he's, he's holding there and giving the $5. And people have criticised the Prime Minister. Here he is putting $5 in while he's keeping all of this other cash in his other hand. Now, I'm not putting that image up there to criticise the Prime Minister. Um, it's so hard to be a public figure and everything that you do is being scrutinised. I put that image there as a metaphor for us. Uh, and what I really want you to do is to Photoshop your own face onto the Prime Minister um, as each of us examines our own hearts and thinks about our own generosity. Because what Jesus is saying here is that generosity is not just about the hand that is putting money into the cup. It's not just about what we give, but it's also about what we're still holding in our hands. And let's be honest, for the Prime Minister and for all of us, what we're holding in our hands is a fraction of what we actually have as well. We can always go to the auto teller and get a bit more. Or we've got wealth that's not being held in that hand. Jesus' teaching on generosity is you've got to take both hands into account. Don't be fooled by the amount given. That won't tell you that much at all. It doesn't determine generosity. What we need to know is how much was there to begin with. How much are we keeping for ourselves? How much are we spending on ourselves? What is the level of sacrifice that is being made? Think about the hand that is keeping as well as the hand that is giving. More than that, what is our heart attitude and what is motivating us in terms of how much we give away and how much we keep? So with that image in mind, let's pause and think about what it might mean for us. How can we be generous in giving to God's work? What are the practical steps uh, that we might have for putting this into practice? Now, of course, generosity in terms of our giving is a, is a big topic, a big area. But the focus here in this uh, story, uh, as we look at the widow in the temple, is about what we give to God and his work. Um, and in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, People were encouraged to, to tithe, uh, which literally meant giving one-tenth of what you had to God's work. So even then, it was proportional. Those who had uh, a lot gave a tenth of a lot. Those who had a little gave a tenth of a little. And so it was intended to be proportional uh, in terms of the giving. But Jesus, I think, goes even further than that. By pointing us to this widow who gives so sacrificially, He's encouraging us not to be limited to just a percentage of what we have, but really to think about the level of sacrifice and what we're keeping. And this is fleshed out further in the New Testament, where the language of tithing isn't used so much, but instead we're told to be cheerful, deliberate and generous givers. So, for example, Paul writes uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 
uh, and verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, this is the challenge, Dell, with uh, sending people a letter and telling them, here's the dollar amount that you need to give. Um, it's not to be under compulsion or reluctantly, but it is something that we are to decide in our hearts to give. So it involves being deliberate about it, it involves thinking about it, and it involves it coming from the heart and being motivated by wanting to do this for God and doing it cheerfully rather than reluctantly. No one else can actually tell you what to give. It's something that is between each of us and God, but it is something that we all need to think about, we need to pray about, and we need to decide upon. As with many areas of our discipleship, we do actually need to stop and we need to be deliberate about it. If we just go with the flow, if we do it reactively and just sort of throw in what's left, then it actually won't be our first priority and it won't come having decided in our hearts. So how do you do that in practice? We're all going to be different. Uh, but what Anna and I do is uh, each year we sit down and we work out, okay, how much money do we have? How much money is coming in this year? It changes from year to year. Uh, as um, you know, Work has been stopped to look after kids or whatever. The income is constantly changing. We need to sort of think about that uh, anew each year. And then we work out, okay, so what sort of percentage do we want to give away to Christian mission and ministry? We take that 10% from the Old Testament as, as a minimum. That's a good starting point. But we don't want to be limited to that. We want to be generous in what we can give away. So we've got freedom, freedom to give beyond that 10%. And we work out what's the percentage that we'll give. And if we pull out a calculator, we work out, okay, how much is that going to be? And then who are we going to give it to? That's the fun bit. Who do we get to bless as we give that money away? Now, for us, our local church is our top priority and gets most of the money that we give because this is where we belong. This is where we're nurtured. This is where we're fed. This is our community that we belong to. Uh, this is the focus for outreach to our local community from this place. Um, and also because every dollar that we put in the plate um, here at St John's, we know that 15 cents out of every dollar, 15% of that offertory is going to go to mission around the world, supporting fantastic mission partners. Uh, but we also give money to other organisations uh, as well as to the local church. Uh, and having done that, we lock it in and we, we fill out a form um, with the amount um, and we do a similar thing for other groups we support. This is one of the challenges in our modern world. I sort of think about Jesus sort of sitting there watching what's going on in the temple treasury and uh, you see these people filing past the receptacles and the disciples saying to Jesus, well, they didn't give anything. And Jesus replying, oh, it's okay, they, they're giving electronically uh, to the plate because... <laughs> So often at our church, the plate does get passed by people um, and uh, nothing goes in it because actually it's being given as, from one bank account to another. That's, that's how I do it. And so it's a bit of a challenge in terms of what actually goes into the plate is not what goes into the plate, so to speak. Uh, for us, actually, doing it electronically is a good discipline because it comes out first before anything else comes out and that's a regular discipline for our Christian lives. But I understand everyone is different, and the physical act of putting it in the plate is actually very meaningful for a lot of people as well. The point is, 
work out a pattern that works for you, have it between you and God very deliberately, decide in your heart what you will give, and then do it cheerfully, paying attention to the hand that's giving as well as what you're holding in the other hand. For those who don't have much money, um, we have students in our midst, we have retirees who are on a fixed income. Uh, maybe you're thinking as we talk about giving, well, I don't actually have that much to give. That doesn't matter. The amount doesn't matter. That is so powerfully portrayed in this story, isn't it? That the actual amount is not the important thing. Jesus was more impressed with the poor widow who only dropped two coins in the treasury than he was with wealthy people who put more um, money in the plate. What Jesus is interested in is our attitude with what we give and he knows how much we've got to start with and what it's costing us to give. One of the encouraging things for me uh, as we uh, last year asked people to pledge money because we had lost the telco contract, we had a huge hole in the budget, we were at a point where we had to seriously think about cutting back um, on staff if we couldn't fill that hole, that the pledges and the response, the generosity of the response from this congregation was a team effort where everybody pitched in and gave. People who had uh, more money to begin with gave uh, large sums of money and that was incredibly generous. But even more moving and powerful for me in many ways was the fact that I know that students from our evening congregation who didn't have much money played their part and contributed what they had because they loved this place and they wanted to serve Christ. And people on pensions from this congregation I know who didn't have much money contributed as well and together we did it as a church community and showed generosity together. Generous giving is not about the amount that is given. Generous giving is about what we've got to begin with. It's about what we hold in our hands as well as what we give. It's about what we're using and spending on ourselves as much as what we're giving as well. As Sue reminded us so powerfully, we serve a generous God, don't we? And we want to reflect his character of generosity we want to do that in all we do and we say. We do want to put our whole bodies into the plate and as we pray at the end of our service, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, our whole selves. But that does include the resources that God has given us, using them generously, being deliberate, being cheerful, being purposeful in what God has given us so that we can share his good news with others and bless this world in his name. So let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you often turn things uh, on their heads, that you look at this uh, poor uh, widow who doesn't have much and you point to her as the example for us of how to be generous. And we do pray that you would work powerfully in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, that more and more we would be willing to trust you, we would be content with what we have, and we would be willing to be generous and to give things um, so that your word would be proclaimed, that people would come to know the Lord Jesus and be built up in him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>